Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Melissa Time. My name is Melissa, and I'm coming at you right here uh, in my closet office, which is uh, quite literally a tiny closet in this house that I have converted into my own personal little office space. It's perfect for me because there is room for nobody but me. And that is awesome. I love that. I love being in a tiny little room for me only with easy exit and entrance. You know, also, I don't want to be trapped in here. I just want to put that out there because I grew up watching The Twilight Zone. And generally, you could reliably predict in every episode where somebody really wanted something out of their life, they would get it, but at a price that was too high to pay in exchange for it. You know what I mean? Like that guy. This, all right. So the one Twilight Zone episode that really got to me personally, because it really struck close to home for me was the one about the guy with eyeglasses and the uh, bitchy wife. Like his wife was a cunt. She was a huge cunt, bigger than than reality even. You know, they, she was kind of a trumped up cunty lady like to to the to a degree where if a person like her existed in real life and she was married to a meek mild-mannered bookworm such as the main character of that twilight zone episode i mean it must it would have had to have been because they have a bdsm thing going on where she's like a dom and he's a sub or something like that i have friends who have those relationships and maybe he kind of gets some sexual gratification out of the fact that she intentionally scribbles in his books and rips pages out and tells him he can't, you can't read right now. You have to go to work. Stop reading. What's wrong with you? You know, and like, I don't know, she might as well just put on some stilettos and tread all over his testicles while, you know, ripping out pages from one of his favorite novels. And yeah, so she was just an awful wife figure in this episode. And all this guy wanted to do, allegedly, uh, instead of jerk off to how mean she was to him, I mean, really, was just, you know, read. He just loved books and everything was in the way. And he just wanted a, a moment to just have to read. And so one day he goes, yeah, I think he works at the bank. He goes to the bank. He's going to retrieve something out of the vault, which why? I don't know, because it's the big vault of the bank where the millions are. So he's going in there for some reason. Maybe they have a Walter White character from the 1950s who's who needs some of his uh, liquidated assets. And he gets in there, and uh, all of a sudden the, the door shuts behind him, and a big explosion is felt. Just tremors go throughout the bank vault that the guy's trapped in suddenly, and then shakes, the ground shakes, the earth is red, and then everything stops, and then when he leaves the bank vault, he just kind of creeps out cautiously, looks around. The whole world's gone. Something happened. I don't know. They don't specify what. The whole world is gone. Just wiped away. Some bomb fell. And then um, he, he's wandering around and, and trying to find somebody else that's alive when he passes by the library or something like that. And he realizes that the library is intact. All the books are intact. And that's such a, what a nerd. And also, I would totally be like that. So he goes and retrieves all of the books out of the library, stacks them in front of himself. And then he's like, I'm going to read these fucking books until I die. You know, because he's finally his wish is fulfilled. His cunt of a wife was blown to smithereens 
And so was all of civilization as far as he knows. And now he can read a book. So he gets to work, right? He sits down uh, to read his first book of many. And then all of a sudden he trips and falls or he drops his glasses and his reading spectacles are just broken beyond repair. And now he's trapped in a world where there's no one and nothing and he's alone and he's going to die alone. But his glasses broke so he cannot read. And he starts to weep because the one thing he wanted is now out of reach forever, which is awful because it's like the world became his wife. So his world, his world, his bombed out rubble of a world where there's nothing left. It's just a complete desolate wasteland. That's analogous to the relationship he had with his wife. I don't know. There's a lot about that episode. I mean, you, if you really think about it, it's it's um, it's just a funny. It's weird. It's such. It's so extreme. But where did I come from with that? Um, I forget what I was even talking about. Books, Twilight Zone. Oh yeah. Um, I was just bragging about my little closet office. I just you know I don't want to be in here one day and then there's an earthquake, and all of a sudden like I'm trapped in here and it's like I'm on the Twilight Zone and I didn't even know it. Now I'm suddenly in the twilight zone and I'm stuck in my closet office forever. Anyway, whatever. I am here. I hope you had a good new year. My new year's celebration was pretty quiet. Just, um, family called my mom. We talked for a long time and then had dinner with Gene and his parents and they got all gussied up, which was adorable. We did not cause we're fucking slobs and whatever, but we made food and it was great. It w I made some Yorkshire pudding with some beef tallow we had lying around. And Gene uh, made like a gigantic steak. Ridiculous. And, um, and then we had some other shit like cheeses and stuff. It was nice. And we drank. We boozed it up a little bit. It was probably the most alcohol I've had in years. I, I really cut down on drinking to the point where I just, I don't even really do it anymore. And uh, I like it. My, my whole lifestyle changed. The minute I started making more conscious, less reactionary choices about what I wanted to do with, you know, what I ate and drank and did every day, the more I just drifted away from binging whiskey for weeks and then purging through getting sober for a week and then binging again. And also just eating like crap and just not doing much, just kind of roaming around the city at night, drunkenly getting on stage, which was not good for me in general. I mean, I tried, I, I generally, I was pretty good about not getting on stage drunk, really. I've only, I'd only done it like well, three times. One time I got on stage, I was high as hell off of edibles because I'd never tried them before in California. And I ate way more than the recommended dosage. I ate the whole cookie. You're not supposed to do that. I mean, I was, I basically put myself in a, in a waking zombie-like state, like a waking nightmare, a waking dream. Is that what they call it? You know, when your eyes are open and you, you know, you're perfectly conscious, you, you know what's happening, but you can't move. That's, that was me all the way down to, I couldn't move. I had, people had to drag me around for the rest of the night, like a mannequin. And we were right in the middle of filming a, a documentary about stand-up comedy. So, you know, ostensibly it was about following me around as well as some other people and doing com said comedy, but I couldn't, I couldn't even formulate a sentence after, oh, I, I managed to get on stage once. 
And it, and it felt like when they called my name up, not so much that I walked on stage so much as I waited on stage. Like I, I walked on stage and it felt exactly the way you would feel if you were walking from one point to another underwater. That's what it felt like. I sw- so I swam on stage, I got on the microphone and I tried to do my set. It was awful, dude. I, I only managed to rattle out some and it was so slow and I think that made it funny enough people laughed and then I tried to do crowd work it was ridiculous I, I said ridiculous like it but I was completely serious about everything I said like I went up I looked at one guy and, and I was just like let me just talk to people maybe people like that right and I go hey what's up hi you have nice dimples and he's like thank you I was like how long have you had them <laughs> and the thing is is I, I asked that question in complete seriousness I really wanted to know how long had this guy had dimples? And it wasn't even that I was relating it to being in California and plastic surgery. And maybe, you know, you could think that I had logically cleverly come up with a a little witty way to allude to the plastic surgery culture there by saying like, oh, your dimples can't be real. <laughs> I'm so smart. But no, I meant it. I, I was like, how long have you had those dimples? I, I did so much of just drinking. I did more drinking than I would have preferred and I did less drugging than I would have preferred. Probably should have switched switched it up, but I also, I'm glad I'm not really doing much of either. I started working out more and doing calisthenics. I moved to Texas and started a vegetable garden. I'm starting, I'm doing comedy here. I still go and do comedy in New York occasionally. Like I'll be in New York in a couple of weeks on the 17th through to the 24th I'll be performing around New York if you're interested in coming out for a show but yeah my whole lifestyle changed I like it though I feel good but also I had to go through a lot of shit internally to get to make those choices because the reason why I was drinking before was in a less extreme way than doing hard drugs the way some people do but probably for similar with similar motivations you know, I was just kind of, I had kind of come out of adolescence doing drug drinking, you know, burnout shit and just went right into my 20s. Like I was trying in my 20s. I went to college. I graduated from college. I did all that stuff. But at the same time, I didn't get rid of the general lifestyle, which is a reactionary one, right? I was just, basically I was just running away emotionally running away as far and deep into obliterating myself as I could go to not turn around and really look at how fucked up it had been growing up. That's it. You know, fucked up for me in particular. All right. And I'm in a spectrum of fucked upness and trashy family history and fucked up neighborhood history. So, you know, to the right of me, there's people that had it better. Lots of those to the left of me, lots of people who had it worse. But the spectrum is kind of the same on how you handle it, you know? And the people to the left of me, they know that the worse it is, the harder the drug you got to take to run away. But you don't even think about it like that at the time. At the time, and I don't know if that's just um, general unresolved issue shit or if it's just that you're in your 20s and you're a fucking moron. Either way, uh, they probably didn't help each other. It probably exacerbated the fact that uh, I wasn't even thinking about it introspectively enough to be like, oh, I'm running away from my, even though I was doing that, but not in a conscious, not in a mindful way. Right. I was just doing it like, cause it's part of the culture to say shit like that. Like you don't even think about it. Right. You just kind of, 
that's your 20s is airheaded repeating of adult themes and trying to wear them almost like clothing. You know what I mean? You can and you can see the process happen because kids in high school are too stupid to be in their like kids in their 20s. Right. So they are literally only they are just regurgitating um, their favorite music lyrics from whatever genre is cool at the time right they're just they're literally just regurgitating whatever sounds mature to each other uh rephrasing it paraphrasing if they're creative and have a little bit of uh, intelligence that's uh, above average uh but some are just flat out regurgitating right and high school is a time where a lot of douchebag guys who are some of the dumbest guys right are even regurgitating movie quotes right and acting like they're the the pinnacle of wisdom that a hollywood movie uh is not is like some kind of philosophical pinnacle of of thought and not that it's just a a thing that's taking from philosophical pinnacles of thought Right. And it's an illusion and is storytelling. Basically, you know, they, they act like that's the reflection of truth, which is a fucking movie is truth. Right. Because that's what it, that's a douchebag. But and they're just like quoting, you know, Godfather shit at you or whatever the fuck. But other people quote Nas. Right. Other people quote some Ozzy Osbourne song or something like that. You know, what's like a rock song that people quote? like, you know, like um uh, Stairway to Heaven used to be the one, right, or whatever. Like, people kind of, like, take on the aesthetic, the feel, the soul of something when they're young, and you just kind of act like it's your personality. That's just what you do, and it's and it's good. You're playing dress-up for being an adult, but you're doing it internally now, right? As a kid, you did it, like, literally, right? You pick up a stick, you're like, this is my sword, right? And then you go bash your fucking friend over the head with it, and then you guys play knights, right? Except you bash your head friend in the head he starts crying and, sh- and then you yeah you, know, you know the illusion's broken for a second you gotta be like are you okay don't tell my mom right but then you're a teenager you do that internally you dress up your you dress up your personality as the people that are your heroes who are generally people who are playing losers in in the entertainment business like wh- whoever your hero is when you're teens into 20s right whether it's like you're into comedy and it's bill hicks or something like that or doug stanhope or somebody right uh, or if you're into music, right, and it's somebody else, it's um, Leon Bridges, it's fucking um, Janis Joplin, if you're a gay woman, who, you know, coming out of the closet or whatever, right? It's like, or, you know, it's uh, any Broadway musical, if you're a gay man, and uh, they're stars. So you just do that. and then But then eventually you're supposed to move away from that. And that's kind of where it gets a little dicey, because a lot of us don't. And so whatever, especially now. Because now there's like a premium on uh, lifestyles that include you continuing to dress up as a personality that you prefer rather than being yourself. So, I don't know. (sighs) That went on way too fucking far into that direction. I'm trying, okay, I'm gonna try to dial it back, all right? But all I'm saying is you're, you're running away in your 20s, okay? You're running and you're trying to, and you're pretending, and uh, that's what I was doing. All the lifestyle shit that I've done now, where I, where I'm not finding what's better, but just what's better for me. That's it, and what I like. Uh, all that stuff I couldn't have found it if I hadn't just started dropping the act, basically dropping that romanticized, fatalistic, you know, version of myself that I put together, like cobbled together from various, 
you know, tortured artist um, tr tropes and narratives, right? And, and I just kind of like shed that and it was just me left over. You know what I mean? Like when you stop trying to be Kurt Cobain and where, where that stops defining you because you realize that that's just what you're, the thing, the Kurt Cobain even thing isn't even really Kurt Cobain, right? That was just like the sort of media cliff notes of what Kurt Cobain was, right? And so you stop trying to be some fucking, you know, guy in his basement playing guitar and romantically thinking about how you would do heroin, you know? But uh, you're just too too damn complicated. Or maybe you, you're just waiting for the right year. But I like I like what I'm doing now, just generally. It's pretty good. The only thing I got to do is figure out what else. I don't know. I still want to do drugs and stuff, though. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I'm, a, I'm going in that direction. I, I just kind of don't like using it as a escape hatch. And it's kind of hard to know whether you're doing that or not if, you, if you're taking something. Yeah, I, you know, I'm also not going to go all the way uh, and just be like, any lifestyle choice you make is good, though, because it's all about what works for you, because that's also bullshit in a way that got hijacked by corporate America like decades ago. Right. And then you come to the point where like everybody's lifestyle style is OK. And then you're just saying you're just, like applauding like morbidly obese women uh, dying at the age of fucking 37 like this um jesse lopez chick who i just read about today and it's because she literally died i think today right 37 and she had she was she's a beautician who has a salon and is an influencer because they made um, a show around that salon said salon because it focuses on catering to morbidly obese women i don't know man i don't because that is like you know, it's like on the one hand, I'm like, damn, you know, can we, we should do something about that. But then on the other hand, um, hey, it's kind of like the trans thing, right? It's like if they are people that get so easily captured by ideas that cause them to mutilate themselves. And I'm not talking about people who have, you know, gender dysphoria, right? I'm talking about the people who follow the hype and the trend of gender dysphoria, right? And they get caught, all caught up in that shit, but they're not necessarily, but they, they aren't that, right? And then they, they go to these extremes, they cut their tits off, they take the uterus out, you know? But then at the same time, it's like, hey, that's one less idiot having babies. So <laughs> go for it. <laughs> like what, you know, cause what's the alternative, right? The alternative is what a tyrannical law that you put in place to try to, uh, to use state violence to intervene in some dumbasses so-called lifestyle choice. No, I don't believe that that's the salute, right? Or what the whole thing around social sh shaming call out bullshit. Nope. Because that's stupid, right? Not not because it's stupid to care enough to comment on so, or, or declare something, right? But because making a whole cultural thing about it, right? Making that your life and how you how you engage with your every day, it makes you a fucking idiot. You know, you just turn into a dumbass. It's just you're you're kind of you're contemptible in a different way. You know, like now all of a sudden you want to. You want to like twist and channel social currency like like what? Like you're some fucking rhetorical wizard over here 
and you're going to like, and everyone's your little puppet and you're and we're let, come on guys, let's all go point at this person and call her a stupid fat bitch. Right. It's like, I don't want to do that. That's stupid too. And so then you think to yourself, you're like, well, all of these morbidly obese people who in a way it's, they're like, oh, it's not my fault. I gain weight. In a way, I agree with them because it isn't necessarily their fault. It's not just, it's not merely a question of a person eating too much. I don't think that that's fucking wrong. So what I do think is that during the eighties in the United States, for example, the food and drug administration put that fucking food food pyramid out there. And then all of these uh, food companies started selling these like high carb, low cholesterol, high sugar, just highly processed pieces of garbage. And they were selling it as food. And uh, like this whole country got switched over into a diet that just kills you. So, you know, a lot of kids, they grow up, they are thrown into that diet and your body is, you know, your body just takes it in. It crunches the, the, the crap that you give it and spits it out and just uses it the best it can. So a lot of these kids, they start out obese, right? So their bodies are already offset or fucked up, right? And it's like, you know, in a way that those, whatever number of generations that is, two or those two or three generations of people who got swept up in, let's say, the misinformation perpetrated by the fucking government about people's diets and how you should lower your cholesterol intake and all this stuff, which is a fucking lie. And now it's like they're finally admitting it, but not really. But if you look at articles about food, you'll see that when they say bad cholesterol, now it's cholesterol, bad cholesterols in parentheses, right? And that that never used to be the case before. That whole thing changed. It's like all of these people were literally victims of the Food and Drug Administration's recommendations for diet and lifestyle. So a lot of this obesity, if they started blaming, I think that's the thing is like, if they started pointing fingers, first you point at the fat people, why are you so fucking fat? But then if you really start asking them, they'll tell you, they'll tell you how they grew up. They tell, they'll tell you the kind of food that they ate growing up. And and then you'll, well, then where'd that food come from? Well, you know, it's just more affordable to people of a certain income bracket. Yeah. But what about the people of whom it wasn't, uh, the more affordable choice, but rather the preferred choice. It's like, oh, well, you know, a lot of these foods, they're tailored to, um, activate people, uh, people's brains through their palates in a way like a fucking piano to make them want to buy the food again, to make them addicted to the food and like McDonald's. Right. And that this whole thing spiraled out of control. Right. And it's like, well, who gave you the legal permission to use food in this way? It's like, well, first of all, you know, nobody really thought about it at the time. But secondly, like we were really just following the dietary guidelines of what the government through who, the fucking Food and Drug Administration, then this would result in a giant class action lawsuit where fat people could finally feel fucking vindicated and understand that they are they are victims, but it's not of fat phobia, right? And there's no need for fat activism to make people lie to themselves about fat being attractive because it isn't. Uh, it's more like you're victims of your fucking government you should go sue them motherfuckers for everything they've got so you could live out the rest of your limited lifespan because you're morbidly obese with a government fucking payday 
for the rest of it. At, at the very least, that's what should fucking happen. Anyway, so, you know, there's just so much that is involved with that shit. And then there's more that, hey, you know, I didn't think of it off the top of my, my head. Forgive me for not being in this little closet office and thinking up everything because that's not the format of what this is. I just talk shit on Sundays. That's it. So, you know, this Jesse Lopez, her basically thing was, you know, bringing in these ladies in so that they could feel cute and like massage their feet and all the chairs, uh, you know, are built to uh, hold a um, max capacity of 900 pounds, right? So that they don't have to go through that embarrassing thing where they sit down on a chair and it breaks, which, which fucking happens. It happened to a cousin of mine and she's not even that fat. Like she's not, I wouldn't qualify. She's not morbidly obese in the slightest. Okay. She's a big, she's a big girl though. But that, even that was enough to one time she sat down too hard on a, on a chair, plastic chair and that shit broke. And she, and she's not morbidly obese. She's overweight, but she's not, she's like average overweight. She's not like, you know, Jesse Lopez, basically. They got those chairs in that beauty salon and they're massaging their feet and they're, putting that makeup on them that women wear now when they're too ugly to be normal, or at least they think they are. So then they just plaster on, like they just airbrush on the face of a whore. You notice that? Those, um, you know, makeover pictures before and after. Like before, it used to be that it would be a girl who looked a certain way, and then they put a little bit of makeup, a little bit of blush, and they give her some life, right? Make her look a little cuter. You know, you can't change everything, right? But it would just be, you know, give her a little rosiness, a little a little blood on the face, a little color, a little texture here and there. Maybe some interesting color on the eyelids, right? And that would kind of be it. But now they literally airbrush uh, and the, the same exact face onto every woman. It's like before this woman uh, was uh, morbidly obese uh, with acne. And now we, we airbrushed on the face of a whore. Doesn't she look beautiful? Right. And then just like those, the plump Botox looking lip lipstick and like the, um, that weird eyebrow they have now. That's like a thick chunk eyebrow that almost looks like 24 bit, uh, graphic eyebrow, you know, where it's like a, a block that just goes over your eyes. And then it's like faded in the beginning or something for whatever reason. And then they have like that weird contour button nose that makes your nose looks like a, like, like a, look like a Pixar character nose and that kind of like that look basically is just, oh yeah. And that weird extreme cat eye. And then they, then, you know, the shimmer and the contour, but they, they do it the exact same way for every woman's face, for every man's face. If he's doing drag or if he's just wearing makeup. Right. And it's like, Hey, do you have, um, do you have a cancerous tumor growing out of your cheek? Well, that's great. Don't worry about it. Cause we're going to make over you. And then we're going to airbrush on the face of this fucking Pixar whore hooker character. How do you like that? And that's what everybody looks up. So that's basically what this beautician's doing in this, in this shop. And you know, it's perverse. It's crazy. It's a big part of this society. It's very culturally American. What that is, what that, that, Western, I guess, in general, it's just culturally Western. Cause you'd, you'd see this probably in London too, right? Where their fat, their, their fat activism, I think is a lot bigger. And it's, that stands to reason because the British, they love, you know, they love steak, you know, they love the cow, uh, food from cows and anything that comes from it. Yorkshire puddings. Hello. They make delicious, delicious pies, meat pies. 
that's what that chick did in that beauty salon. She was like too big to where it was not good for her health. She even started losing weight before she, uh, before she died. I wish she had, you know, I wish, I wish it had, it had worked and she'd maybe lost enough to survive, but it didn't work out. Now fuck it sucks. It fucking sucks. But she tried, you know, I'm, I'm glad she tried before, uh, she died. That's it. That's all you can do. And, uh, and you know, she seemed like super sweet girl. You could hear it in her, in her heavily, heavy labored breathing voice when everything she said, she's just super sweet. She had a good idea. And like, I get it, you know, I, cause there's, there's like this kind of, you can turn a blind eye to what a person's motivations are. Not necessarily, cause this wasn't necessarily her trying to actually say that fat is good. I don't know. Actually, she might be a person like that, but I think it was more about just, um, fat women having a um, sanctuary from, you know, this onslaught of fat shaming, right? Uh, that, like, which they call it fat shaming, but a lot of fat shaming is just a person's natural revulsion with a, a certain level of obesity that they can't even help, that that person wouldn't even want to actually exhibit publicly if they could help it, but it's actually like a physical automatic reaction that you can't always stop. Some people are fucking cunts and they are assholes about it. But I think for a lot of people, what's being interpreted as fat shaming is just a person just kind of su being surprised by a fat person behind them. Not a, not even fat, but like morbidly obese, right? You turn around and you go, you know, like that's, you can't help it. You know, it's biology. I understand the, the fact that they, there's, there'd be a market for women who want a place that they can get away from that shit for a minute, for a minute, for a second to just feel cute and walk around in a nice little dress. But then at the same time, I also understand the counter argument, which is that, you know, once something like that becomes an economic model, somebody with fewer scruples than someone just trying to provide sanctuary will push that shit to where they are celebrating it, like specifically to make money, to make more product. They like, that's just how it works, right? People who want to turn a profit and have a low level of uh, conscientiousness, right? They don't give a fuck. They want the money and the success. So they'll sell you anything. They don't care. So it's just, I see it from uh, both sides, you know? If, if those are the both sides, actually, and it isn't something else. But, I mean, because it's the kind of shit that I'm like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, when the West starts having TV shows like this, this is the reason why terrorists do what they do, I think, you know? Because... They are so, you know, like in, in places that are super tribal and the, the, they don't have a modern narrative of liberal, you know, nuance, you know, they're still kind of in this stage of like state establishing a, a, a strong national identity and this and like they don't have that yet, you know, or like where they won't have that because it's like they value a tribe over a nation, a, like a, a, a like a giant economic venture that is a nation, right? Where you have to rally together state military violence and uh, your your most productive organized merchants and administrators to actually like, you know, uh, transfer wealth into the country in exchange for whatever you're producing, you know, to get to that level. 
right? You have to give a shit about that level. And a lot of people in a lot of countries, uh, they don't, they don't care about, they like the small communities, you know, they, they thrive in it. They revel in it. Right. They're very close knit, big families, big extended family. Like the middle East is like that. A lot of parts of Africa are like that. Right. So can you imagine? And, and so they're not watching that kind of TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and they're not there. They're not talking about shit like that. They're talking about like, Hey, can you bring home you know, some meat? We're hungry. So go hunting or something. Bye. See you later. Right. And the women are barefoot and pregnant, but it's like a privilege to be barefoot and pregnant. You know what I mean? And it's a privilege to even be more than one wife somewhere by some guy, because that's, that's what you can do, you know, in that, in your circumstances. So you imagine you live in this simple life, what they, what would have been called primitive, but now is considered racist to be called primitive, but basically just means scaled back infrastructure. You're, you're just living your fucking life according to your religion, your God and your people. And all of a sudden, you know, it's a simple, you know, you churn butter, you take the sheep out to, to graze, you take them back, you wash the clothes, you birth your children I don't know, eat the placenta like a giraffe. And then all of a sudden you happen to be in the city to, you know, buy some fabric that you're going to sew into some little dresses for your kids. And you happen to walk by a radio shack and you look into the TV and you see Jesse Lopez and baby doll beauty uh, being interviewed on good morning America and she's fucking, there's fat models with sequins on, right? And she's trying to describe the dresses, but her breathing is so labored that all you hear is the her heavy breathing as she talks about the dresses and chunks of butter are falling out of her mouth, right? And the Good Morning America lady is like clearly very athletically fit. Like she tries to stay trim and is looking at this morbidly as beef woman like, Oh, tell me more about more about your eyeline. Interesting. I love that. What else do you have to offer? So what services do you have? Oh, foot massage. Oh, oh, jewelry. Wonderful. Very. And it's meanwhile that lady's entire being is screaming at ah, you know, just looking at this woman, right? And she just wants to take her to a gym in her in her heart of harps, you know, and like help her, but she can't. She has to pretend that everything is completely normal. And then you just see these women just getting airbrushed into like whore face and just little negligees that aren't little. The negligees, I'm talking about like a tent size negligee, right? And and then every and everyone's just walking around smiling, right? And holding hands and and then you're just looking at that from Afghanistan. You know what I mean? And like, how do you, you know what I mean? Like it takes a person from that perspective to see how freakish this society is. And so for them, it pro- we probably look like, like we're sick, you know, like, like cancerous tumor and it's spreading, right? Because the Western culture gets everywhere, right? And, and so they're trying to stop it, right? They're, tr- they're literally just trying to preserve their way of life, they're trying to stop it. And if anything, and, and it's like people, you know, if any people, people get on it because it's like, oh, women's rights, you know, they, the, how they treat their women, there's no universal suffrage and women have no chance to go to university or whatever. Well, I mean, think about it. Okay. It, you, they're looking at our reality trash TV. They think it's our, it, they think it's how we all are. Okay. Teen mom, my 500 pound life, uh, hoarders, 
you know what I mean? It's, it's, we look fucking crazy. Okay. And so they, they look at that and what they think is they put, they connect the dots. Okay. And they go, wait a minute. Is this what happens when women can vote? Is this what happens when women go to college? And then they probably think that they look at their women and they go, get back in the fucking kitchen, you stupid bitch. Right. What are you reading? You can't read. You're not allowed. Right. Go to your room. And, and so in a real way, the, the plight of women in the Middle East is probably directly the fault of us. Okay. If we weren't so insane, they would probably lay off a little bit because they would be like, it's not so bad, right? They're just getting jobs. <laughs> they're just are <laughs> they're just getting into the professions. But now it looks like, ah, it's pretty fucking bad. They're going to be 900 pounds and they're going to be cutting their tits off and ripping u- their uteruses out of their pussies. I don't know. I think our culture definitely reinforces conservative cultures. And so what I'm but I but it's like but I don't think there should be any laws preventing this. That's the thing, you know? Because I think that's, I mean, obviously that leads to a really bad situation down the line. But then it's like you realize when you don't do anything, you just sit there and you watch, you realize that what the only thing that's happening is natural selection. That in a, in a heartbreaking way, you are watching nature take its course, even with you. You know what I mean? I'm childless. It's probably a reason for that. Right. And then, you know what there is, because I didn't have any kids because I knew on some level that I was too fucked up to have kids. I really had too many issues. I was in an environment that was way too dicey, surrounded by shit that was not good for a kid. And 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 so I didn't. And and it was a good choice. Right. And maybe people like me should should not continue right? At least me from 10 years ago, but now I'm, I don't know. Now I think it's okay. But back then, definitely not. And so maybe in a way people kind of know that inside, maybe they just self-select out. That's why they don't have babies when they engage in lifestyles, you know, like mm, commercial lifestyles, not, uh, not like your personal lifestyle. But yeah, anyway, I have been rambling for a long time, so that's all I have to say. <laughs> I guess that was a lot, though. Um, sorry if that was a little ranty. Okay, I'm trying not to. Okay, I won't apologize for it. I'm not going to apologize for it. I don't. Okay, look, I'm going to say sorry I was a little ranty, not because I actually am apologizing. It's just I do feel sorry that I ranted a little and uh, don't like coming across as insensitive. But then at the same time, I don't like being a liar. And so that's kind of the main issue, isn't it? You don't want to be too antisocial, but you also don't want to be a fucking coward. So I hope I manage to achieve some semblance of a balance between those two things. And yeah, I don't know. I hope it was entertaining at the very least. So have a great week. Thanks for listening again. You didn't have to, and you did. So I really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you next week if you're around. All right. Bye.